Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I am excited, as Jeannie said, that you are here today. You picked a great day uh, to be at Soul City Church as we kick off, uh, as Jeannie mentioned, something we've never really done before. We're doing an eight-week study on what it means for us to really grow up. What does it mean to really have a transforming relationship with Jesus? We're going to get incredibly practical with some incredibly spiritual things. We're going to look at exploring what this life with God is really like and how do we then live it out so we don't just talk about it, but we can actually be about it on a daily basis in a growing relationship with God. And we're going all out over the next eight weeks, and we want to invite you to do the same. One of the cool things that's happening is all of our small groups, uh, we have about over 450 folks at Soul City Church in small groups. Over half of our adults at our church are in a small group. So cool. And so what they're going to be going through is the same stuff that we're talking about here on the weekend. So what we talk about on the weekend, then you, if you're in a small group, you're going to work that out in a circle together throughout the course of this next week. We're going to do that over the course of this time. I'm excited to lead a men's group where we're going to be diving into this stuff together. And then on top of that, if that weren't enough, we've actually created a daily journal. Our team, like we wrote a book, we wrote a daily journal. And guys, I know you love to journal. And so this is for you and for everyone. And here's what's really great. It's daily. And by daily, I mean daily, like every day for the next 10 weeks, actually, for you to dive in deeper with what God's doing here in the weekend. What a gift for your growth that you can look and study passages from Scripture and you can ask yourself deeper questions like we're about to do in our course of our time here this morning and go in, dive in deeper with God because here's the bottom line of the whole next two months. You cannot grow up unless you're willing to go deep. You just simply can't do it. You cannot grow up unless you're willing to go deep and to go in with God and say, God, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to know? What do you want me to do to become who you've created me to be? So when you leave today, you're getting a free book from Soul City Church to help you grow over the next two months. And I want to strongly encourage you to go for a personal best over the next two months of making it here on the weekends. I want you to break your own record of church attendance, not because it's not about checking boxes and it's about showing up or anything like that. I don't get a bonus if you show up more times over the next eight weeks. You're going to have a greater potential to grow in your relationship with God. And if you're kind of outside looking in on what it means to have a relationship with God, I can't think of a better time for you to be around what God's doing than over the next two months, because you're going to see what it's really, really all about. So seriously, if over the next two months you don't grow in some capacity spiritually, it's on you. That's all I can say about that. We're going to do everything we can do. That's going to be on you. So let's work out that uh, together. So when you leave, you can do that. And I'm excited for my small group to kick off this week as well. This morning, we're going to be looking at a specific passage in the Bible that gives us a window into what's down below, to what's going on in our soul. And I want to actually, if you would, while I'm setting that up, would you grab a, a Bible and hold on to it for a second? Just grab a Bible. If you brought your own, then you already have it. If you didn't bring one, we have a Bible for you in the seat back. It's a blue Bible. And would you grab a pen? We're going to be walking through a couple different things you might want to take notes on as we kick off this series together. So grab a Bible, grab a pen, and we're going to look at what it means to build a life from the foundation of what lies beneath in our lives. How do we build a life on top of where God is already at and what he's already doing? Many years ago, Jean and I uh, had the opportunity to begin building our life together. Uh, we'd been married for a couple of years, and we had kind of saved resources and kind of worked things out to be able to purchase our first home. We were very, very excited about this. And so we bought a tiny little two-bedroom, one-bath, I mean, it's essentially an extended closet of a house that we bought, but it was ours, and we were so excited that we had our own home, and it had a yard. Um, for those of you who live in the city, yards are these green... <laughs> 
patches where grass sometimes grows. And so we had a yard and we had uh, a driveway and a garage, all these wonderful, luxurious things in this tiny little house. And so as we kind of moved in there and were settled in, it was just the two of us and we got our dog Molly then. And so we were like, you know what? We could actually double this space in this house if we were to build out the basement. We had a big unfinished basement, high enough ceilings. And we thought at the time, we've watched HDTV. Like we've seen, you know, how hard can this be? To build a basement. Seriously, we're like, this can't be that hard. It's not that big of a space. It's not like we can really like blow a house up. And so we set out to build out our basement. We called Jeannie's dad, who was alive at the time. We said, you know, Bill, would you help us build this thing out? He'd done a couple projects in their house. He's like, yeah, let's figure it out. So first thing we knew we had to do is we were going to add a, uh, a bathroom down in the basement. And so we had to run some new plumbing. And so we had called a friend of ours who was a part of the church that we worked at. And we said, uh, his name is Tom DeGange. And we called Tom up and he's like classic Chicago. So we called Tom up. We're like, Tom, we're going to be doing this project. Can you kind of give us a mate's rate sort of thing? Help us out. And if you will come and at least do the rough end work, we'll do the rest. If you can jackhammer up where the new, uh, you know, pipes are going to go, we'll do the rest. And Tom's like, yeah, sure. No problem. And so... <laughs> No, but that's really how he talks. It's not a, like an exaggeration. And so he comes over, and so we, he came over one afternoon after work to do that for us. And we're like, hey, we're going to run out to Home Depot. We're going to go grab some stuff. We'll be back. We're excited to get the, you know, the, all the pipes laid and all that kind of stuff. We come back to our house around, really it was about 9 o'clock because we grabbed some dinner. We come back, and there's a note on our back door. And the note said, it was written in Tom's hand, it, was written, it said, Jarrett and Jeannie, we've got a problem. This is exactly what the note said. In my 22 years of being a plumber, I've never seen anything like it. All caps, call me. <laughs> it's a good way to start a project. I just want to put that out there. Start it on a strong, strong note. So we walk into the house and we are met with a smell that it wasn't coming from the basement. It was, it was literally coming from hell. There was some... <laughs> Something in hell got into our basement and was coming up the stairs to meet us, and it like set us back. And and we went downstairs, and the stench was unbelievable. And we saw a jackhammer that was literally like left, like Tom had been raptured, like it was, it might as well have still been running. It was just left, and there were some piles of stuff, and we could hear the faint noise. And I won't go into specifics, but if you've ever had Rice Krispies, that noise was coming from bugs and maggots that were climbing all over us. Yeah, that's real. And so we, we did not know what to do. And so we called Tom. We're like, Tom, what happened? He's like, oh, guys, you got a real problem there. And, like, and so basically what he had found out is the first time he started jackhammering, he jackhammered, and the jackhammer fell in about two feet into the ground, into the sloppy mess. And so he pulled it up and tried to get, and it fell in. In other words, there was very little foundation under our foundation. And what he found out was that when the house was originally built in the 20s, they built it with clay pipes to take all the septic out. And those pipes, as things of roots had grown and the house had shifted, had completely broken. And his estimation was sometime like in, you know, the first George Bush's era, like presidency, like sometime in the late 80s, something happened. And it's just been poor. Every time someone flushed upstairs, it just made a home underneath the basement. It's where I'm starting my sermon this morning, by the way. Yeah, it's only, it's only going up from here. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're talking to Tom. He goes, look, I, I can come finish the rough, you know, but you guys have got to get that stuff out of here. Like, you got to clean that out. And I'm like, all right, all right. Oh, this is on a Friday. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll clear it out tomorrow. 
And so what we had done was we had to dig all this stuff out. And I'm not going to go into specifics, but it was, we had to wear masks. We poured bleach all over just to kill some of what was living in it. And we poured all this bleach, but we poured so much bleach that now our eyes were burning and just, there was this haze and the smell. Yeah, this is again where I'm starting my sermon and where we started our project. And so basically I got it all kind of dug out and all these piles and, and I thought, you know what I can do is if I get industrial strength, um, garbage bags, I can haul this stuff out of, I don't know where I was going to haul it to, a neighbor's yard. I had no idea where I was going to go with this, but I can get it at least out of the basement. We can move on with this project. And so I got all my industrial bags, my mask, my gloves, my whole thing. And Jeannie uh, said she had to go run some errands. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> shockingly, like I'm going to Home Depot, but I think she just went to anthropology. So she was gone and I'm down there and I get it. And guys, 14 bags, industrial sized bags of stuff was in there. And I had a moment when I was loading up the first one, I thought to myself, I wonder if I should double bag these. But I just let that thought fly. And, and this, is true. this is exactly how this all went down. I had all the bags lined up at the bottom of the stairs. And I thought, I can take one of these out. But if I take two out at a time, I can like cut my time down in half. True story. This is all happening. While, while I'm unsupervised. Jeannie's gone. There's no manager on duty. And so, she, this is exactly how it happened. She walks back in the house. So she's upstairs, at the top of the stairs of the basement. I'm at the bottom feeling so proud. I cleaned this mess. I'm helping. I felt so important. And so, go, hey, babe, I'm just about to take these out. I go and grab the bags and throw them over my shoulder. And right when I do this move, I hear a sound. And then even though there was no breeze, the bags were just blowing lightly behind me. And Jeannie is speechless. And I'm more speechless. I, I, I want to say words. I'm in a place in hell right now. I'm, I have no words to swear or to say because I look down and I made a new pile all over myself. And I'm standing there, and true story, Jeannie doesn't say a word, just goes, and walks out, just <laughs> leaves, leaves. And so I had to clean myself off. There's not enough showers I could have taken in that day, and finally got it all cleaned up, and we were able to go on and build out the rest of the basement over the next couple months. And I'll be honest with you, every time we had people over, I had birthday parties there, I had friends over there, I never looked at that basement the same again. I always knew, man, that this basement started off with a bang. Like, there was a story. There was something going on here that when we bought the house, we had no idea about. There's just simply no way we could have known that that was going on underneath the surface. And what's amazing to me is that the same is true, if we're being honest, the same is true oftentimes of our own lives, is that we can attempt to build a life for ourselves, build a life for ourselves, however massive or impressive we think it needs to be. You can go about building a life for yourself without any idea of what's going on beneath the surface, having no idea of what's really down there. And the scary thing is, is the more and more you try and build on a foundation that you don't know, the more and more you set yourself up for heartache and pain and disappointment later in life. What is going on beneath the surface of your life? 
how is it that, that we can have everything that we see kind of here on the surface as we see and interact with each other, and it can all seem fine. It can all seem lovely and seem wonderful, but down deep inside of us is an immense mess of fear and anger and desire and pain and God and sin and all of it, and we have largely no idea. And so we go on trying to build our lives on top of something that we do not know or have not invited God fully into. Never stop to think about what is underneath the surface of your everyday life. What's behind the things that you continue to do, the patterns that you continue to repeat, the relationships that you continue to burn, the places where you feel deep connection with God, but you don't know why or where it's coming from. What is behind, beneath, below the surface? Just a couple thoughts here. Have you ever, uh, just by show of hands, anyone ever just lost their keys for a moment, couldn't find your keys? Just by show of hands. Okay. How many of you, when you've lost your keys, it quickly devolved into you losing your mind over it? <laughs> Where you just convinced yourself that this is a grand government scheme against you and someone has hidden your keys from you. And you find yourself literally going nuts and going insane over your keys and just completely losing, over losing a set of keys, which everyone does every day all over the world. Ever have someone cut you off in traffic and you found yourself just berating them through your window, through their window, their five cars ahead, they've already taken your parking spot, but you're still back swearing and yelling and tearing them apart and they can't even, ever wonder where that comes from, that kind of anger that can snap in a moment like that? Ever found yourself overwhelmed with emotion? Maybe a song comes on the radio or a scene in a movie and you just can't stop crying. Something breaks, and you don't know why, and you don't know where it comes from. Ever had someone in your life celebrate a, a big joyous thing? They get engaged, or they're having a baby, and while you may be smiles on the surface, something inside of you is deeply jealous, and even if you're being honest, resentful. You ever wonder where that comes from, there has to be more going on beneath the surface than we even realize. And many times in our lives, it's when we lose control, when we can't keep it all together, that what is in comes out. Like a volcano, it erupts at sometimes the most un, like rant, seemingly random times. Many times it may happen just all by yourself. Sometimes it happens in front of others or affects others. But there's something that comes out from within, and you don't even know where it came from. It's like there's a window into a reality that maybe we're not even aware of, that there's more to me than what others see. This is the truth of who you are. There's more to me than what you see. There's way more going on inside of here than what you see right now while I'm walking through these notes and this time that I've prepared. There's a ton more of fear and anxiety and joy and pain all in here. And guess what? Every single person sitting around you has way more going on beneath the surface than what you can see. That's just the truth about who you are. There's way more to me than what others can see. And if I'm ever going to grow up in my life or in my faith, I have to be willing to go deep down into those places and to invite God in and say, God, what is going on in here? Where did that come from? Help me understand Help me know, just as I am fully known. So the reality of who you are is you are a mystery of complexity. 
You are a wonderful mystery of complexity. Guys, the women around you are a mystery of complexity. Can I get an amen? (laughs) And ladies, the men around you in your life are a mystery of complexity. Can I get an amen? There is so much more to me than what you see. There is so much more going on that is beautiful and broken. But the problem is many of us try and build our lives on top of a foundation that we've never even explored or invited God into. So the reality for for, for us is that our lives typically tend to resemble icebergs. You know the thing about icebergs, right? Put a picture up here. What you see on the surface of an iceberg, typically scientists have now come to understand they didn't even start studying icebergs until the year after the Titanic. After the tragedy of the Titanic, they said, wait a second, there's more going on here than we can see. And that's exactly what they found. That an iceberg, all you see on the surface is about 10% typically. 10% of what's really there. The other 90% exists below the surface where no one can see. That's why they can be such a danger to ships and people traveling through. Is there's a lot more underneath the surface than what we see on top. And I think the same is true of our lives. The same is true of your life. There's a good 90% of your life that no one may see or you may not even know. And we'll call that the soul. That this is what's really going on. It's what's going on in your soul. And lots of times we don't ever let it come to the surface. But that's what's really going on inside. Your soul is actually a gift given to you from God that sets you apart from every other living thing in this world. Your soul is what makes you different then and matter to God more than dogs and cats and ants and plants. It is because you have a soul and it is made in the image of God. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells. When you enter into relationship with God, it is not signing up for a new set of rules. It is an indwelling of God in your soul. And when you have moments where you feel deeply connected to God, or deeply connected to others, it's coming from your soul. You ever heard someone say, oh, me and this friend, or me and this person in my life, we have a soul connection, a soul level connection. It's because we cognitively know that there is more beneath the surface than what others see, like an iceberg. And so for many of us, this is where all the good and the bad and the ugly exist, is down in our soul. This is where the writer of Ecclesiastes says that God has planted the seed of eternity in you. You know that there is more than what you see around you because that exists in your soul. All your fears and failures and anxiousness and awesomeness all exists in your soul. That's 90% of who you are. But do you know what's interesting? Is that we focus the majority of our energy, effort, and attention on the 10% that everyone else sees. If this is the soul, then that's the show. That's the show that we put on for others. That's the way that we try and present ourselves to the world or have others feel like we have it all together. Listen, you do it at work, you do it in your relationships, you do it here at church. What tends to happen is we spend the majority of our energy on the minority of what is really true to who we are, the smallest percentage of who we really truly are. 
We focus on all the stuff that tends to be on top of the surface. And we literally live from that place. Most of us live from the show. And so all we tend to occupy our thoughts with and worry about is the circumstances that surround us. And when you live from circumstance to circumstance, what you end up doing is not living but reacting. And so you react, oh, this person said this, oh, they did this, oh, this job is changing here. And so what I'm constantly doing is plate spinning. I'm just trying to react to what's going on in the surface, never maybe even asking what's going on below. God, what's really happening here? Many folks spend the majority of their lives living from the surface of temporary pleasure, of comfort. I just, if I could just get this thing, that will make me happy. That will satisfy me. If I just had a little bit of a bigger house, if we just had a little bit of a newer car, if I could just get a new wardrobe, if I could just get into a new relationship, if I can kind of settle these things up here in the show, maybe that will calm these things down in my soul. And you know that there's no amount of stuff that you can try and shove in from the surface that's ever going to fully satisfy what's down beneath what your soul most longs for and needs. You live from the surface, then you're going to be living from the applause of others and the affirmation of others. And it won't be long till other people's affirmation of you becomes your validation for you. And that you think that that's all you're worth is what others say about you. And so you live from that place of what do people think and where am I at and kind of what's my social stock and where, what's going on here. And see, so you can end up living from that place. And the amazing thing is, is that where you live from determines what you will live for. Where you choose to live from will determine what you live for. Just no way around that. Where you live from will determine what you live for. If you live from just up here in the surface and circumstances and comfort and I got to kind of keep all these plates spinning and keep all these things happy, then you're going to end up living for those things and they will never, ever, ever be enough. But if you say, I want to actually live from that deeper place, that oftentimes unknown place, that oftentimes scary place called my soul, I want to live in that place where God dwells. I want to live in that place where I have authentic, open, honest relationship with others. I want to live in that place where I feel connected to a purpose in my life bigger than me. When I live from here, guess what I begin to live for? I begin to live for God, and I I don't want to settle for anything less. And what's so beautiful is that when I live from the soul, it begins, like everything else, to bubble up and out and over in my life. When I live from a place that says, God, I want you to know me fully. I want you to help me know what's really going on in here. What's the foundation that I'm building my life on? It comes out. It comes out in the rest of my life. But if I'm unwilling to do that, then what happens is when difficult and challenging and trying things come my way on the surface, I just kind of stuff them down and I stuff them down and I stuff them down and I miss the reality of the work that God wants to do in my heart and in my soul. So what we're going to do just over these next few minutes is look at a very practical prayer that we're going to begin to pray this week that invites God in, that asks and allows God to come in. It's a prayer that you can begin to pray today. It's a prayer that David prayed thousands and thousands of years ago. But it's a prayer of invitation that we're going to pray together today. So if you turn to that Bible that you've been so patiently holding to Psalm 139, it's page 433 in the Blue Bible. 
page 433 in the Blue Bible. It's Psalm 139. It's a very famous prayer that David wrote down. I'm going to ask you to get that pen because we're going to circle a couple of words that are really important in this prayer to give us a way to pray, actually. Psalm 139, let me give you quick context. David is rising in fame and popularity. David is becoming known throughout the land, and because of that, he's gaining more and more enemies, people who are out to do him, people who are, who are out to do him in, I should say. And so as this is his kind of rising to fame and adoration and accolation throughout the land, there are people who are there to completely destroy him. And so a lot of these psalms are, are written from that tension of David's. There's stuff going on, as we're going to see here, in David's heart. And it comes out in these prayers. But he starts and gives us a beautiful, practical way to pray that you can do today to invite God in beneath the surface So why don't you grab your pen? I want us to look at these couple phrases together. David starts Psalm 139 by saying this. You have what? Searched me, Lord, and you what? Know me. So look what David starts this prayer with a past tense reality. God, you have already searched me. You've already searched me. You've gone down deep and you have searched me, God, and you, present tense, know me. You've searched me and God, you actually know me way more and way better than I ever could ever know myself. You search me, God, and you know me. And then David goes on to describe sort of how God knows who he truly is. He says, you know when I sit and when I rise. You, what's the word? You perceive. That means, God, you see through. You see the motive and intention behind. You perceive my thoughts from afar. So all that stuff that's kind of in my head and I thought I could keep from you, God, you not only see it, you understand it. You perceive it. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. So God, you know me. You have searched me and you do know me. And for many folks, This can be a very, very, very scary thought. For many folks, this rises up the defense system. Oh, God, oh, if God really saw me, if God really knew me, if he knew what was really going on in here, that's it. Rejection. I'm kicked out of the club. There's no way that God would accept me if he knew what was really going on in here. And do you know what David's saying? You've already searched me, God. And you already know me. You know everything about me. And so David goes on to say just exactly how it is that God knows. God, you know me because, verse 13, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. What does that mean? You created my inmost being. Being. David's using a Hebrew word here in his prayer called kilyah. My kilyah, like God, this is my inmost being. In, in that word, kilyah, literally translates to the kidneys. So God, you created my kidneys. That's very beautiful and poetic. <laughs> Put that on a bumper sticker. Fantastic. But what the kidneys actually represented in Hebrew culture was the heart of hearts, the place where joy and desire live. Like this is my gut would be another way of saying it. You created my guts. You created my heart of hearts. You created the place that houses my deepest desires and joys. That God was given to me by you. And could it be that it's actually for you as well? 
You created that, God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. So David says, look, I won't fear you. I won't run from you. I won't hide from you. I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God, I acknowledge the complexity, the mystery of the complexity of who I am. And God, I praise you for it. Thank you, God, that you did not just make us all the same, but you made us deep vessels that house your Holy Spirit, God. You have done so much more in me than I am ever aware of. I praise you, God, for that. I am literally, David, saying a masterpiece made by the master himself and praise God for that. And I don't know what you got up this morning thinking about yourself, but the truth of who you are is you are a masterpiece created by the master's hand. You are fearfully and wonderfully and intricately and intimately and intentionally made by God. And that's worth praising God for in and of itself. David says, I look at all the mystery of this complexity and I may not understand it, but you do. Because you made it, God, and you made me, and you know me. My kiliah, my gut, my heart of hearts, God, was made by you for you. It's a beautiful prayer, isn't it? Powerful how David starts by saying, God, you search me, you know me. Here's how, here's why, God. And then, this is why I love the Bible. And then in verse 19, David goes off. This is so much like how you and I pray. Because he's saying all these things to God, and then we're not going to go through each of these, but then he just goes off. But God, seriously, you got to kill these people. <laughs> they are driving me insane. God, seriously, I can't, I can't. He even goes on to say, I have a pure hatred for these people. So you're good, you made me, but kill them. Like he is not happy. And this is what David continues to come back and forth with in the Psalms. And this is why I love the Bible, because they kept that part in. If I were editing the Bible, I would take that part out. Oh, here goes David again. Haters gonna hateth. Like he's got... <laughs> So much of that laid in here. But why is it so important for us to pay attention to that in this passage? Because what's in is coming out. And it's even recorded in the Bible. What's in is coming out. God, I love you. I'm fearfully wonderful. You know me, but this is what's going on. God, just kill them. End this. I don't want to end this. I can't handle this anymore. It's too much for me. You ever had those kind of prayers? God, I just fix it. Just make it go away. Fix it. Doesn't matter how beautiful or poetic powerful your prayer is, what's in here comes out. And this is what's so interesting. After David's little rant about his enemies, he kind of comes back to his senses and he has enough insight in verse 23 to say, search me again, God. Look at where he started. We started in verse one. You have searched me and look what David comes back to. Search me. You need to circle that. Search me. God, I know that you already have searched me. I'm asking you to do it again. Here I go again. Search me, God, and know my heart. There's those same two words. Search me, know me. God, I know that you already have and I know that you already do, but I'm inviting you to to do it again, not so that you will learn something new about me, but I will learn something new about you. And I will learn something true about myself. Search me, God. Know me again. And look what he goes on to name. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. That's what's really going on beneath the surface for David here. He's incredibly anxious He feels incredible weight and pressure of all that's happening in his life. And then on top of all that, people are trying to kill him. And so he says, God, I'm anxious. I'm I'm overwhelmed. So God, show me. Where's that coming from? Take me into my kill. Yeah, take me into that deep place. Take me to my heart of hearts, God, and help me know you there. And in so doing, God, help me to know 
myself. And he goes on to say, God, see if there's, if there's any offensive way in me, if there's anything, God, that, that is coming out that is hurting others or is hurting your heart, lead me into the way of everlasting. Search me, God. Know me, God. This is a prayer that you can pray today. If you want to grow up, you're going to have to go deep. And this is one of the best prayers for you to pray to get there. God, search me. What's going on? Why did I snap at them? Why did I just treat the person that I claim to love the most, the worst that I've treated anyone this whole day? God, why did I just yell at that person in line or on the phone? Or why did I just judge that person? Why, what, search me, God. Know me. Help me see what's going on here. God, I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I feel depressed. I feel, I don't know what's going on here, God. On the surface, on the show, I maybe I'm trying to keep it all together, but there is a torrent within me, God. So will you search me? Will you know me? Will you help me know? It's a powerful prayer that you can pray today. Search me. Know me, God. Help me get down deep to what's really going on because it's going to come out and I'd rather live from here than from up here in just the circumstances of life. And God, of course, uh, in his loving kindness, has given me multiple opportunities this week to practice what I was going to preach. And just yesterday, this wasn't even in the notes, it was just, just that fresh. <laughs> just yesterday, Jeannie had been gone um, all week. She'd been speaking and doing great work down in Atlanta and bunch, I mean, just awesome stuff. And I've been home with the kids and good, you know, we missed each other. And so, so excited to see her when she got home Friday night and things are good. But what she doesn't know, and I, I didn't really go into great details on Friday afternoon, I had a great call um, with an editor that I'm working on for the, this book I'm about to finish. And so I'm working on that and the call was great and helpful. But over the course of the one hour call, I realized I have a lot of work to do over the next couple of weeks. And so what was brewing in me and in my kill ya was incredible fear and anxiety and I felt overwhelmed. But on the surface, I kind of had to keep it together because I can't fall apart in front of our eight and five-year-old. Daddy's overwhelmed. It wasn't (laughs) the right time to do that. And so I kept it all together, and I I was trying to stuff that stuff down deeper. And I found myself on Saturday incredibly defensive with Jeannie over things not worth defending, over the smallest things. I found myself being short with her rolling my eyes, getting, getting in this attitude of you, would, you don't even understand. You don't even know. Of course she doesn't. I didn't tell her anything. <laughs> and so all that's going on inside. And she called me out on a couple times like, what's going on? Where's that? What's it, direct? Where's that coming from? What? Nothing. I don't, what? Nothing. I just got to go work on my sermon. I mean, like, that's not, you see what's going on? Okay. So I had a moment to kind of step away in the afternoon and gather my thoughts, and, I, and this is the prayer. I said, okay, God, let me really put you to the test on this. Search me. Know me. God, I'm not, I'm not expecting you to find something out about me, but I'm expecting you to show me something about myself. Search me. Know me. Oh, I know what it is. I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling anxious. And I'm trying to stuff that down deeper so that I can keep the show going. But God, this is what's going on in my soul, and she deserves to know. And so I had to come back and say, you know what? I, I am so sorry. I took out something on you that had nothing to do with you. You ever done that? This has nothing to do with you, but I'm directing it at you, and I am so, will you please forgive me? And I said, here's what's going on. 
here's what's going on. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I, I'm going to be honest, I tried to power through instead of just naming that and bringing that to God and then bringing that to you. And it was great. Even to the point where this morning, I'm like, like I emailed Jean this morning because I got here early and I sent her a note and I was like, hey babe, seriously, I really am sorry for that. I'm probably going to do it again over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> and so I'm asking you in advance, will you have grace for me? Because this is what's going on. Wouldn't you rather know Wouldn't you rather live from a place of honesty and authenticity, of connectedness and transformation? Wouldn't you rather live from your kilyah, from your soul, your heart of hearts? Wouldn't that be a better gift to bring to God than to try and keep him fooled by the show? Wouldn't that be a better gift to bring to the people you love, to the people you care about, than just sort of what you think they want or what you think they need? Wouldn't you rather live from that place? And in so doing, begin to set your sights higher on what your life is really for, of what God might really do in and through your life. You can never build a life that honors God and glorifies God and makes him known and is fully satisfying and completing to you if you don't know what's underneath the foundation, if you don't know what's underneath the surface. And so what we're going to do over the course of this week, your homework, is to practice the presence of God in your kilyah, in your soul. To do as David did, to have a prayer that is almost bookended. God, you search me, you know me, search me again. Know me again. Maybe it's a way for you to start your day, that simple prayer. God, search me, know me. What's going on? What am I bringing into this day? What sort of fear or failure or, or joy or celebration from yesterday is coming over and to say, help me at least know, God. Help me connect the dots of what's going on in here so that I know. And then throughout the day, maybe if you find yourself losing it or you find yourself in a debilitating sense of fear and you're overwhelming, going, okay, God, I can just sort of react to this and kind of keep things up on the surface or I can invite you in and say, God, will you show me? Will you search me? Will you know me? And then maybe at the end of the day, you just come back. It's a simple prayer. Anyone can pray this prayer. God, search me, know me. What happened today? Where am I at? How am I ending this day with you? I think the gift of this journal over the course of the next eight weeks is going to be incredibly important for this process for you. It's a great way for you to start or end your day. Search me, know me. God, I want to bring you down into this place where you already dwell so that I can know more fully who you are and who you created me to be. I can't ever grow up if I won't go deep. So will you make it your commitment this week to pray that dangerous prayer, that risky prayer, because you know what God will do when you ask him to show you, to search you, to know you? He will. And you're going to have to say, okay, God, now give me the courage to do with what you've shown me, to know what to do with this. I'd say, God, help me just go and ask for Jeannie's forgiveness for this. There's going to be stuff that starts to come to the surface where you're going to desperately need God to direct your next step. And here's the good news. He will. He will. He will. So we're going to spend a few moments just praying that prayer. Maybe the things that you brought in this room that you thought you left in the car, you thought you left at your apartment, but they're still in here with you. We're going to ask you to just kind of open your heart and say, God, will you search me? Will you know me? And then in a moment, we're going to do something really beautiful. We're going to celebrate something we celebrate every month here at Soul City Church, which is communion. We're going to come to the table of Jesus, the one who even made it possible for us to have this kind of relationship with God. There would be no Holy Spirit in my kilyah, in my soul, had it not been for what Jesus did on the cross and through an empty grave. It just wouldn't happen. And so we want to come to the table from where we're at. 
from what's really going on. With all of our fears and failures and anxiousness and awesomeness, we want to bring it to God and to the table. And we're going to have a moment where you can literally take a piece of the bread, which Jesus said represents my body, broken for you. This is the depth of my love for you, that I would literally offer myself for you. And then you dip the bread into the cup. That's a reminder of his blood, his perfect and pure blood, which is available to everyone and covers every sin. There's not a thing you can do. There's not a thing stirring around in here that cannot be met with God's love through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So we're going to celebrate that because there's much to celebrate that I can bring this mess to the table and have God search me and know me. So I want to give you just a moment to do just that. If it helps for you to, again, to maybe open your hands up in a posture of prayer, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, but to open your heart as you do, because it'll help you concentrate and just go, okay, God, what are the things going on in there? I just, I've just tried to maybe live on the surface or I've tried to run past. God, is there anything in me that you want to show me? Anything, God, that I need to know? And so I ask you to say these words, God, search me, know me. Maybe walk through the categories of your life. God, with my career, is there anything going on there where I'm stuffing things down or I'm flying by on the surface? God, search me, know me. Maybe in your relationships, there's a, a relationship where you continue to hurt this person that you say you love and you've never stopped to ask why or where that's coming from. So search me, God, know me. Where's the fear? Where's the hurt? Where's the wound? Where's the anger that that's coming from? Maybe you're just feeling anxious and overwhelmed. And there's just circumstances in your life on the surface that are a little too much, seemingly too much for you to handle. And maybe you just need to say, God, search me, know me. Test my anxious thoughts, my anxious heart, God. Where are the places I'm going instead of to you when I feel anxious and overwhelmed? Search me. Know me. God, we thank you that you have knit each one of us together. You created our inmost being. God, you know and perceive and understand and discern all of who we are. And so we're asking for is your help. Will you help us to begin to do the same? To see into, to see past, to see through, to not try and build a life on top of a foundation that we've never even explored. We want to invite you in because we want our life to be built on you. And so God, I pray that in this moment as we come to the table, that we would be reminded that this is a great first step to come to you with all of who we are and to seek you. And so, God, we come with all our fears and failures, asking you, God, to transform, to literally lead our lives from the inside out. And, God, I thank you for this church, for Soul City Church, God, a church committed to what's really going on beneath. And I pray, God, that this would be a place where we can actually, honestly, authentically begin to work this stuff out. It starts at the table this morning. And so we come to you this morning, God, acknowledging, celebrating, seeking, desiring you more and more. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
So I encourage you over the course of this next moment to come to the table. There'll be stations up here in the front, stations in the back. As always, there's gluten-free station over here to your left if you need that. But I want to encourage you to come in a posture of openness, saying to God, search me, know me, and help me to do the same.